What's up, everyone? Welcome back. We are so excited you could be here. We have phenomenal guests, phenomenal hot topic. Thank you for joining us for Sundays, Sundays at 7. <laughs> Alright guys, welcome back. So good to be back. Don't you think so, Kayton? I've really missed it. <laughs> Kayton's a little on the sleepy wagon a little bit tonight. <laughs> um, anyways, we, um, sorry we didn't have a podcast over Thanksgiving. We were just too busy eating, eating turkey, even though Kayton doesn't even like Thanksgiving food. No. But we were too busy. We played a couple games. My family had a brunch Thanksgiving. Ooh. So we had waffles and Eggs, Fine. And sausage, bacon, bacon, mm. hash, hash. All right, guys, we have two special guests here with us today. We actually decided to bring him back on from the last I podcast. <laughs> Let's welcome Steve and Shanda Crosby. Ooh, that sounded like a siren. Um, so we decided to bring Steve and Shanda back because if you know our last podcast, we talked about prophecy and the end times. And we talked about all these kind of heavy topics about what's going to happen when Jesus comes back and um, how we can have a lot of different viewpoints on it and how there's two references at the beginning and at the end of Revelation that learning about these things is a blessing. And I think that's really important not to be scared of this, but to learn about it, to research it for yourself. But um, we actually had a lot of people reach out because this is a hot topic and a lot of people, you know, enjoyed learning about these things with Steve and Shanda. And so we decided to bring them back on. We're going to talk about another spicy end times topic called the rapture. The rapture. Boom, 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 boom. So, really quick, Steve and Shanda, first of all, welcome. Thanks for coming back again. You would have picked the most controversial topic to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> the rapture is definitely controversial just because there's so many different viewpoints. But we, we, we brought you on so we could get your viewpoint. We can kind of build a foundation for our listeners of, you know, what is the rapture. So, maybe we should start there. Okay. Um, first of all, let me say that we're going to try to share several different views and several different um, the way that people believe. And, you know, I encourage everyone to go and study this for themselves. You know, that some people don't believe there's a rapture. Some people, people do. Um, so I encourage you, um, this is a very controversial topic in, in the, in, in times. And it's also the most, to me, the most exciting thing to talk mm -hmm. about because it's our hope. It's our blessed hope, you know, for the, for the future. So if we're going to look at this, um, the rapture is a promise that someday really, really soon that Jesus will appear in the sky and take his church, um, both living and dead, to heaven. We will um, be taking, you know, be taken away from the earth at a, in a split second and be gone. And we in, the blink of an eye. in the blink of an eye, and we will spend our time with him. And the rapture comes from a verse that the word rapture is not actually in the Bible, but there is a scripture that says, Then, First uh, Thessalonians 4 17, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. So that, that um, Shanda, how do you pronounce the word? Uh, I'll say it wrong. 
Well, I might say it wrong too, but uh, rapture is a Latin word. It does not appear in the Greek New Testament. Um, The translators from Greek to Latin chose it because uh, the Latin translation, it's the, the rapture is a Latin translation of the Greek word harpazo, which means caught up to seize or to snatch away. Uh, the medieval Latin is rapio, which means to snatch or seize and denotes like an actual removal of people from the earth. So that's the... Uh, and this is not an Old Testament thing. The rapture, the concept of the rapture is not was not revealed in the Old Testament because it is a promise of the New Testament church um, and not to the saints the old saints of God, okay, who lived before the, when the church was, was established, okay? Uh, Jesus will return as a bridegroom for his bride, and that bride consists only of church-age saints. And this is kind of, you know, the, the church has always kind of been called the bride of Christ, you mm-hmm. know, throughout the, the Bible. And so this, this is kind of where this comes from. Um, the first clear mention of the rapture in Scripture is found in the words of Jesus himself in John 14, 1 through 4, and it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. <clears throat> and you know the way where I am going. Um, that's kind of the first reference of 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 being God coming back for us. Um, the second one is, uh, do you have First Thessalonians? you want to read that one, the whole passage? According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians four fifteen through 18. And I think uh, 1 Corinthians also has a couple of verses that are awesome. 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the, the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. There's several references to, to a, a taking away a, a rapture. In the, now, the big controversy is where it takes place, mm-hmm. when it takes place mm-hmm. and the timing um, of it. So... Well, I mean, like a lot of people believe that this concept of a rapture is simply just the second coming. Like when Jesus comes back, um, as the Bible predicts clearly in many places, and I'm not sure you could be a a believer at all and not believe that Jesus is coming back. Um, The unfolding of those events is, you know, I guess the detail of how that happens uh, the breakdown of it is is where the interpretations come in. But a lot of people believe the second coming and the rapture are the same events. And the scriptures that we have read are 
descriptions of that event when Jesus comes back for his people. And, you know, quite frankly, it could be. But just from years of study, we do believe they are distinct events. Um, and we believe the, that typically the literal interpreters of this, of this uh, prophecy um, believe the rapture is distinct, a distinct event from the second coming. Now, does that mean Jesus is coming twice? No, it's more looked at as a two-part coming. Gotcha. One for his church and then one to touch down on earth to take care of everything else that's prophesied. Yeah, and that's, I guess, kind of where, like, there's a pre-trib, a mid-trib, and a post-trib kind of view. And kind of going, kind of going off what she was saying, we'll start with the post-trib, okay? Like, it all Can comes... Can you explain what the tribulation is? Okay, the tribulation is the time of seven years that happens um, at the, the signing of a peace treaty with Israel. Seven years of peace for Israel. And, of course, you know, there's so much uh, fighting and there's so much turmoil in the, in, in the Middle East. And um, the Antichrist will sign a peace treaty with them, and that will have seven years of peace. And uh, some people believe that the rapture will happen. It's kind of like it all happens at the end, you know, after the tribulation is done, which means we as Christians will live through the seven years of horror on earth. So that's what you're referring yeah. to when you say trib. Trib. So Post-trib. So like the post-tribulation rapture. Is a post-trip type, so type of topic. Even though, this might be a dumb question, but even though the Antichrist signs a peace treaty, it's going to be horror on earth still? Well, you've got peace in the Middle East, but at that same time, the Antichrist is is going out and, and conquering the world. Okay. okay. And so this is, you know, in, in the Bible, it talks about in the first three and a half years of the tribulation, uh, of that first of that seven years, the first three and a half years will be a time where he will be setting up his his earthly kingdom. kingdom. He will, you know, he will be lots of battles. A lot of the world, a lot of the population of the world will die, um, but there will be peace in the middle in the Middle East. Where does seven years come from? Um, oh, it's specifically laid out in the Bible. It's specific, yeah. but you know, again, people who spiritualize prophecy do not believe in a literal tribulation seven-year period. We are of the camp that believes that if first-coming prophecies were were fulfilled literally, then so will the others. And so that's why we think that when the Bible says it'll be seven years, that it will. It'll be seven years. So when we're talking, we're, we're getting ready to talk about pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib, sure. mm-hmm. which basically is at the signing of the peace treaty, Pre-trib means that we're going to be raptured pre-tribulation. Mid-trib, after three and a half years. And then post-trib, we'll, we're all living on the earth until the tribulation is over and then we're raptured. So maybe sure. you, can, you can go into each view a little I bit more. I think the post-trib is like the second coming being the same event. Not as the two parts as you were discussing earlier. Yeah. Main, the main uh, scripture is the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24. Uh, and Matthew twenty four twenty nine says, But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will darken and the moon will not give its light and the stars fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. If you study this, this is also talked about in Luke, but it has a different kind of different uh, tint to it. And, you know, as, as we have studied this, 
the the scholars kind of talk about this. Matthew always uh, has his things that are written more toward the Jews. It is written to them, like you know, throughout this this part, the his speech in Matthew has a distinctive you know like Jewish flavor compared to like Luke, uh, the the same speech. His is his is different. Um, like the saints in Matthew are instructed to flee from Judah and hide. Well, you know, the saints in, in Luke are told to look up for deliverance. So it's like talking to two different people. Mm-hmm. So it, it appears that Matthew and Luke are talking to two different sets of saints kind of thing. So, you know, because, you know, we, I believe um, that the tribulation is, is kind of a lot for the Jewish people. This is where I think it gets complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, so talking about this, you know, is it's it's difficult because to be able to show all the sides and all the views on this, it takes forever, you know, because it's very complicated. That's it goes why, deep. Yeah. Once again, I encourage you to to study and to to look into it, and it's very interesting. And it's you know, as we said last week, John, uh, Revelation one three, there's a blessing to those who study and who seek to know and mm-hmm. and who want to know. Uh, but that's kind of that's what they that's the verse that the post tribulation rapture cling to. Um, I will point out in in just kind of in uh, as an extension to what Steve was saying, uh, only Luke's gospel um, includes the uh, a verse Luke twenty one thirty six where Jesus said, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the son of man. Now Luke is known to be writing to Greeks or Gentiles who God would call out as his bride or the true church. Um, Matthew's version of the Olivet discourse pretty much, uh, is written to the Jews, which we believe the point of the seven years is for the Jews. That's what, that's the way we interpret and honestly your belief in whether God is done with the Jews or not is complete like completely determines your belief on all of this so if you believe in what's called replacement theology which I think we may have talked about last week which means uh, the church replaces Israel in God's plan then you're probably not going to believe any of these literal things you're going to you're going to spiritualize it or make it more symbolic because you believe that the church is inheriting all the promises Mm -hmm. that god gave to israel because of israel's unbelief we on the other hand believe that the bible teaches and you know let's point out once again we have many friends and people we respect and even preachers we respect who believe in replacement theology and don't agree and that's why what steve has said several times is so true is so important is you've got to seek for yourself because the bible says when you seek you will find and you will understand truth and that's what we are encouraging everyone to do but if you believe that um you know israel is god is not done with israel yet which is what we believe god is not done with the jews yet um The Bible calls the church the bride of Christ, which Steve discussed, but the Bible calls Israel the wife of God. They are very distinct. There's distinct uh, plans for them. And we believe that we are currently in what's called the church age, which is the age of grace. And we believe that um, Israel has kind of been set aside in order for 
the church age to happen. We believe that we're currently living in uh, what is known as the church age or the, or the age of grace. And we believe that is very distinct for God's plan for the state of Israel, which goes way back to Genesis. Uh, and he has many promises for them. We could go through a whole podcast talking about that. And we think that once uh, the church age is done, we think that that's actually taught in the book of Revelation. And many people would not agree with this, but we believe like the first three chapters of Revelation, uh, John is speaking directly to the churches, the seven churches. And we believe that those seven churches represent uh, the church age throughout uh, time and represent the different kinds of churches that exist now. And we believe that Jesus spoke, uh, spoke to them in Revelation and gave them all warnings, which we could talk a whole podcast about that too. And then, interestingly, in Revelation 4, right after Jesus addresses the churches, uh, John, the revelator, says this, after this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Well, we view that as after the church age, after the, you know, and, and Jesus goes through all the seven types of churches that we've seen through the ages. And so after this, what's going to happen? Well, we're going to go up into heaven, and we believe that's a literal statement. Not everyone is going to interpret it that way. And then we believe what happens in Revelation 4 on deals with the Jews. So basically, just to recap what you said, because it was so good, so we are in the church age now. You believe that we are in the church age. The Jewish people have been set aside so that the church age could flourish. And we will be raptured. The church will be raptured. And the tribulation will start. And the tribulation are seven years in which God is... He's, he's allowing these seven years to happen to try to bring the Jewish people back to him. To believe that the true Messiah has come and his name is Jesus. Exactly. To bring the, Jew, the Jewish the Jew, people. The Jewish people have this time mm-hmm. to be brought to back. To finish the promises that were made to them, what we believe in Daniel 9, there were promises made, and we believe those will come to fulfillment through this time. Because the tribulation is known as wrath, the wrath of God. Okay, you can't have a holy God without wrath. It, it doesn't exist. So God's holiness demands God's wrath. Um, that's a, also a whole nother podcast. So we believe that his wrath, we, uh, Jesus has already taken the wrath for us. The true church, um, we are not appointed to wrath, but to salvation through the blood of Jesus. That's why we don't think there's a point for us to be here. Now, some people would call this escapism. You know, they criticize people who believe in the rapture. You're trying to escape. You're trying to escape. That really isn't the point. It's that we don't think that there's a point for the church to be here because we believe it's for God to finish his promises to the Jews. Mm. Okay. I'm going to hit the midpoint rapture. Okay. This was, it comes from a verse, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 1552. Uh, in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, the last trumpet will set the. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead and will be raised imperishable and will be changed. 
And in Revelation 11, it talks about the trumpet judgments. And the last trumpet judgment is the end of the is at the end, at the mid trip of the rapture. So three and a half years. Yeah, some some people and it believe, lays out that number of days. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and so they believe that that's that's what it means there. That's at the mid trip. So and then the other one would be there's a there's another one that's called pre trib pre wrath rapture, which is similar to the mid trip. I'm not going to really go into that, but it's. It's a little bit later on because the heavy, heavy stuff happens at the end of the rapture. So it's just a little bit farther into. Um, but then there's the pre-trib rapture, which we believe that's that's kind of where Shand and I land. Is that it will happen before. And there, there's several, gosh, there's several things, reasons why. But I think one of the biggest things is the imminence. Over and over, the Lord says, to be ready, to be on alert in Matthew 24, to be dressed in readiness, uh, to keep your lamps alight, uh, Luke 12, 35. There's a clear, persistent warning that Jesus can come at any time. And, you know, the Bible says no man knows the hour. So that that's imminent. That's the promise of, in, you know, of imminence. And so we also, you know, the, the verses and all that backs up, a pre-trib rapture backs up that, that claim. We just believe the best way to live is to believe Jesus is coming very soon. Um, if it's a thousand years from now, I will still have lived my life believing that Jesus could come at any moment. To me, that there's no other better way to live than that. Um, I'd like to point out, though, that uh, two people have been taken from the earth without experiencing death. It's 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 not uh, the rapture wasn't a as as like a word may not have been a word in the Bible, but it was certainly an understandable concept. In Genesis 5, 24, the Bible says, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. And then in 2 Kings 2, 11, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. So these are like parallels uh, to what we believe could be uh, uh, the same type of event where believers would uh, be raptured up to be with the Lord. There's another, um, the symbolicness of, of the, uh, the wedding ceremony is also a sign. You know, it talks about the wedding feast and we are his bride, the church is his bride. This is... Um, the Jewish tradition um, was after the betrothal, the groom would go to the father's house to prepare a chamber for his bride. Just like Jesus prepared, has gone home to prepare places for us, okay? Then he would return for his bride at an unexpected moment. This is their culture, Jewish culture. He would come in, a, in, in an unexpected moment so that the bride had to be ready constantly. She didn't know when he was coming back, so she constantly had to be ready. When he returned, he would take his bride back to his father's house, to the chamber that he had prepared. And his bride would then be sealed in the chamber. They would be sealed in for seven days, just like we feel like we will be taken away and sealed with him for seven years while the tribulation, while God is dealing with the Jews on earth, the, the bride, the church, is with him 
at a, at a feast, you know, at, a, at the, that's what's called the wedding feast. And then when they emerge, a great feast would, would be celebrated, you know, and I, th I think that is a really cool picture of just in their culture, how Jesus is going to view his church and how that's, that's a, a you know, a, 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 the way the rapture will happen. I have a quick question. So I remember one time we were doing an end times group and um, shout out to Amanda Woosley. She was there. And we were talking about there's a specific part in Revelation where um, it says something about he who has an ear, let him hear. Um, I don't know. I, can't, I tried to look at the verse, but I couldn't find it. But it says it like however many times. And then there's a part where you believe that the church is rapture because it doesn't say something about the churches. Can I don't know if you have that off the top of your head or you can look okay. it up. In the letters to the churches, um, it says multiple times, Who, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And it repeats that at every letter. And then yeah, on over in Revelation, during the seven years, it says, he who has an ear, let him hear. And then it stops and doesn't say anything about the churches. So that is another um, really cool thing mm -hmm. that, I mean... Does that in itself prove there's a rapture? No, but it's really neat. It's a it neat is, scriptural yeah. thing. Why would at? it repeat itself so many times mm -hmm. and then just randomly not repeat mm -hmm. itself completely? Right. Uh, I really like the uh, also in Revelation 3, uh, verse 10. This is uh, to the angel of, of the faithful church of Philadelphia, uh, which we feel represents the faithful Bible-believing church. Verse 10 says, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. If you look at that verse out of, the word is ek, E-K, and it's translated, it can be translated through, keep you through the hour of trial. That's what some people would say. Mm. You all think you're going to escape this, but it really means through. But the actual translation of that particular verse where it's E-K means out of, not through. So ek is used more than 800 times in the New Testament, and only once is it used to mean through, and that's in Galatians 3.8. So this is clearly means keep you out of the hour of trial, not keep you through. And this, you know, the bottom line is that the rapture is our blessed hope. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, we are encouraged to understand the scriptures, and we, can, we encourage each other with this. This is what, you know, in Titus, um, this is what God intended us, you know, to do is to uh, encourage each other with these words. Yeah. So um, really quick, kind of just to close, we've talked a lot about doing our own studying on this because a lot of time people hear the word rapture and they don't even know what it means. They just think, you know, I don't want to talk about this. This is scary. Well, I also think it's it's caused... People think you're wacko. You're, yeah. you know, you're out there on that extreme. You think you believe in the rapture. And a lot of people won't talk. They don't want to talk about it. Yeah. You know? um, why do you think people are scared to... We kind of answered this in the last podcast yeah, too, but, but I think it would be good I, to touch on it I think it a lot of it is the fact that everyone wants to live their life. I don't think they understand what, what potentially they could be living. You know what I mean? I think everybody wants to... You know, there's... 
They want to do their life and then they want to get themselves straight and then they're ready for God to come back. You know? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't want God to come back because I want to get married and I want to have kids. Yeah. yeah. All that, everything. And I Very live, understandable. And I want to live my life. I want to, I want to have a job. I want to be successful. And then I'll get all my, th- my stuff together and God can come back. Then I'll be ready. Yeah. And they don't, I think that's scary. I, I just think it's, Instead of being, and then that's our society, you know, they encourage us, they want us to be successful, and this is the way you're supposed to be, and all, you know, all this stuff. But I, I, to me, that is one of the main reasons why, you know, and I think it's, you know, am I good enough? Will I make this? I don't want to talk about the rapture because am, am I good enough? Mm-hmm. What do I have to do to be good enough? You know, and I think that's people take it like it's a bad thing. This should be something. This should be something that is. But we look forward to. I think also people are a little skeptical of it because the word rapture is never used in the Bible. And I feel like a lot of people get caught up in that. Um, that that specific like word is not ever mentioned in the Bible. But we were talking about before this that the Trinity, which is often used you know, in the church as well, is also not ever referenced in the Bible as the Trinity. So, and I, but it's a concept we clearly understand. Right. One last thing I want to ask, too, is we had a lot of people reach out after our last podcast wondering what practical steps can I take to start learning this kind of stuff. Like, I do want to learn this. Like, I want to learn about the rapture. I want to learn about the end times. But I don't even know where to begin. Like, what's something that you all might <laughs> I say will, to help? I will say there's a um, – I grew up um, kind of in the, all these years throughout. There's a man named Dave Rankin. He's actually been at our church a couple of times. He's now retired, but his his ministry goes on. It's called Lamb and Lion Ministries, and I oh, cool. I, I read I read a lot of his stuff because I believe he is extremely biblical. Because like when you go in there and you pull up, let's say you pull up his articles on Rapture, it'll list this stuff, and all of a sudden it'll give you a a scripture, and you can you can touch that scripture, and it'll pull it up. So you can read it as you go and see how it fits and see how it works. He hits all the topics. There's a lot of, you know, a stuff on his. His is a lot of basic, good stuff. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that really uh, increases my faith is watching things that that I see happen in the world. Mm-hmm. That I see, wow, that's that's exactly what I read about in Scripture. To see it happen and to go, wow, the Lord is right. The Lord is here. The Lord is ready to come. It's exciting. And it just encourages your faith. It, it builds that strong, you know, that it, build, it just builds your faith. I think once, the more you learn, you can be able to branch out and understand, like, that's not right. That's not a good thing for me to read. You have a more that's, clear that's, discernment. Yeah, you have it. more discernment. You have to be careful Googling it, just like you have to be careful yeah. Googling anything. Uh, but there are some respected uh, Bible scholars who will have really, they'll have their own reasons that they don't believe in the rapture. I would encourage everyone to also research those and, you know, go in the scripture yourself and discern for yourself what the Bible is, what the Lord is telling you through those scriptures about the way the things will unfold. Now, this is not, the rapture is not a salvation issue. It's not something we argue about. Um, uh, I said earlier that, you know, I, I'm not going to be less saved if I'm wrong. 
about the rapture. Um, and you know, I just want to live a life where I'm constantly looking for the Lord. And I believe that that's what, uh, a belief in the rapture motivates me to do. I think jumping um, into Revelation is pretty daunting. Um, there is a book that I got about Revelation that had all the views laid out and why, the, and related to every piece of scripture in Revelation and why those views, why they took those scriptures to come to that conclusion. And uh, it was, that was pretty revealing and simply just confirmed what I think. But I, I think there's some really solid supplementary books that, people would need to use to get into this, but you, you just have to be careful, you know, what you actually use to, to you, to study this with, I mean, the Bible clearly, but I think you, that's going to be your bottom line. But I think that, uh, with a topic like this, uh, you're going to need some kind of, uh, at least one or two supplemental things. So why would John write this book that is so, confusing and metaphorical in a way and talking about all these fantastic things why would he make it so hard to understand if it's something so important for us to study well i think john was writing in the way that he at that time what he saw i don't think john completely understood everything that he was seeing it was visions and he wrote it the way that he saw it and I do think that many things in Revelation that could not be understood years ago can be understood now with the technology and different advancements that have happened and the population and different things that are in there can be explained more. And, you know, and, and it is, there's a lot of, 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 like you said, fantastical things in there. But I also think that that promise that Caitlin referenced at the beginning, where it says you will be, you know, blessed if you take this to heart. I think uh, if you truly see or seeking in that book for uh, answers and for clarity, I believe that you will get it because I have. I mean, it's worked for me. You truly go into it wanting to know and wanting to learn. I feel like you will, that will be rewarded. I learned today that there are 400-ish verses in Revelation and over 500 um, correlations to the Old Testament, or over 500 references to the Old Testament. Absolutely. You can't study Revelation alone. Yeah. But I think overall, for me, um, people talk about being scared. And even, like, Kayton and I were talking about in our small group last night, like, as Christians in the world, as believers of Jesus, like, we have a lot going on in our world with corona and all this stuff, you know, like, how are we supposed to be different? Like, how are we supposed to, um, like, people are supposed to see Jesus in us. Like, how are we supposed to walk, like, perpendicular to the world culture? And I think it's, um, A.W. Tozer said a quote one time, and it said, a frightened world needs a fearless church. And in order to be fearless, I think we need to be, I mean, it's just like having any kind of best friend, you know what I'm not, or any kind of situation that you go through. I'm not scared of the situation because I'm in this situation more, or like I know this person because I'm hanging out with them more. Like I know the more I hang out with you, the more I know about you and we become best friends, you know, the same thing with God. Like the more you study his word, the more you get into, you know, who he is and what he wants you to do, the more you know about it, the more confident you are, the less fear 
fearful you are. Therefore, in the end times, when this does come and the rapture does happen and we have frightened people wondering what in the world am I going to do? They're going to look to us and people are going to be saved. Right? That's good. That's really good. Drop the, drop the mic. We say it one more time, a frightened world needs a fearless church. A.W. Tozer. Whoa. And that's what, I think that's where the church has gone. We've got to be me. fearless. we got to be fearless. How do you be fearless? You learn about things. Become more confident in the Lord. Dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul said that in Philippians. And I think that just because we believe in a literal rapture doesn't make us fanatics that sit up on a mountain and watch the sky. You know, we, we live our lives, we pour into our community. We, you know, we, we aren't like that. And I think that people who believe in the rapture get a bad rap. See what I did there? Ha ha ha. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tonight. Um, If anyone has any questions, please feel free to reach out to us and we will reach out to Steve and Shanda. We'll get you some answers. Um, Please stay tuned for next week. We got a new hot topic, new guest, or maybe we'll keep Steve and Shanda again on for next week. Who knows? All right, guys. Have a good week. Thank you for joining us for Sunday Sunday Sunday.